Hello friends and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, which includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem solving, decision-making, team development, and much, much more. Now, these sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I will personally do it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. Well, a lot of us in this first part of 2021 are setting up some New Year's resolutions or intentions or whatever it is. And maybe for some of you, your resolution is to get organized, to clear out clutter, to make your place of now work and home more palatable, easier to get around. Fortunately for you, I have the ideal guest. Our guest today is Shane Bone. Now, her company is Simple Steps Consulting, and she is a professional organizer. Shane's going to talk to us today about how to handle those tough organizing projects. How do we get over the psychological holds that some of our stuff has on us? How do we really determine what gives us joy from some object that we've been holding on to? And then step by step, how to go through that process. She talks to us about how to organize photo albums and handle pictures and papers and things like that. And we even talk about how to handle it if you have to go in after a parent passes on and you have to organize their house and get it cleared out. She's a really great speaker. I've known Shane for a number of years now. I know you're going to enjoy listening to her. So why don't we quit listening to me and let's talk to Shane. You know what to do. It's time to get that seatbelt buckled. Make sure the personal item is underneath that seat. It's time for us to take off. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Shane Bone, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mac. I'm glad to be here today. I'm glad we could uh, chat today, too. We're at the beginning of a new year, and with New Year's comes New Year's resolutions, New Year's intentions, New Year's words, whatever you use. And for a lot of people, it is to get their act together in 2021. Some people are taking up exercise. Some people want to quit smoking, drinking, whatever they do. And there are others who maybe have started this in 2020 when we were all holed up at home, but maybe this is the year they're going to get organized. And so you are a professional organizer. And we want to spend some time today talking about how to get organized in 2021 and beyond. So before we get to our questions, I was hoping you could share something about your journey with us. Sure. I'd love to do that. Um, Mac, I have done a lot of different things in my adult life. I think I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. And um, back in 2016, I had a real desire to become a professional organizer. Um, I always kind of say that I'm not sure if I picked this field or if it picked me. 
Um, I believe that we all have some pretty unique gifts and talents and um, mine has always been seeing things in a very organized way. So it's kind of been a way of life for me for as long as I can remember. I think when um, I think back to my childhood, I can remember my little brother um, being told to clean up his room and he had no idea where to start. And so I'd ask him to pay me and I'd do it for him. <laughs> so it really, for as long as I can remember, has kind of been a part of who I am. Um, I'm a really strategic thinker and I can um, look at problems and I can come up with solutions quickly and sometimes not just one solution, but multiple solutions, which is often really important in, in my field. Um, I'm not afraid to tackle messes head on and, um, and I like hard work. So that combination really led me into this field of professional organizing and home redesign. Um, over the last 25 years, I've worked in various fields, um, but the consistent theme for me was always people and solving problems. So those things in combination really have allowed me to launch my business. Um, once again, kind of the idea was formed in 2016 and then um, kind of had a slow start and now this year uh, really decided to push ahead and we're growing um, with leaps and bounds right now, which has been really exciting for me. Yeah, that's great. I know you had mentioned this a few years ago because I've known you for a few years now. And then I think it was maybe a few months ago, I started seeing this stuff popping up on my social media and you had a lot of photos and you were showing some before and afters and I saw one today where you were, you're the reason there's no bins at Home Depot, by the way, because you hog all the bins. I saw you with a whole cartload of bins. So this is obviously something that has been on your mind for a long time. And now we're launching and this is great. So you are physically located, I think, in Pennsylvania, right? Yes, correct. Yep. Montgomery okay. County, Pennsylvania. Okay, good. All right. So when somebody calls you, is there usually an event that makes them say, hey, I need somebody to help me with this? Is that usually how this happens? Um, I think it's a combination. I, I really think um, in some ways COVID has uh, really helped me in my field to move ahead quickly because I think people have been stuck inside their homes for months now. And many people for the first time are not only living inside their home after working hours, they're also trying to work from their homes and their kids are schooling inside their homes. And so all of a sudden their home has become so much more than just a house. And the chaos of many people's homes, the disorganization, I think has really um, prompted a need for people to think more about what their home looks like, how it feels, how it functions. And that's where I come into play because often people have a hard time doing that naturally. So I, they will reach out to me and ask me to help them think through how to be um, more strategic and how they're doing life inside their homes. So when you talk about being more strategic, I mean, I understand what that means in a business sense. But how does that translate into when I walk into my home? What does that strategy or strategic thing actually mean? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, often people just aren't thinking through what makes sense inside their home. So where things should be, um, how we use the things that we have out most visible to us, um, what we should probably not keep out 
and even in those hidden spaces, how to make them make sense so that when you need something quickly, you know how to get it, you know where to find it. And what I find so often is that people have so much stuff, but they can't find what they need and they end up spending more money on stuff that's already inside their home. Okay. Well, what causes a person to get clutter? Is it is there something going on in their head or is this just happen without thinking about it? I think we live in a, a world where we're constantly seeing advertisements, commercials, things that we need to go get, things that we need to go buy. Um, I, as much as Amazon has saved us through COVID, it has also made shopping incredibly simple for all of us. And so we often get that quick fix by going online and ordering something um, instead of taking time to think through what do we already have that will solve the same problem. And so a lot of times I work with people to help them figure out how to cut back on buying more and using what they have to meet the needs that they're currently faced with. Okay. You know, I think back when my wife and I first got together, we both came out of bad divorces and we're the ones that came out with nothing. Everything we own fit into one tiny little bedroom and we still had room to spare. And so fast forward almost 29 years, well, we've known each other for over 30 now, we just finished cleaning out our barn. Now we've moved several times since and I have got so much crap we got rid of. I don't even know how we got it. How did we go from one tiny room with room to move around to a barn that is jam-packed with crap we brought from Maryland from a basement that was jam-packed with crap after selling about $3,000 worth of crap in a yard sale? How does it typically happen? Because we didn't have Amazon back in those days. Are we just naturally like squirrels that like bring a whole bunch of nuts into the nest or how are we different from that, I guess? Yeah, I... I I see that I encounter that regularly, um, Mac, and I think it's it's a really important topic for us to explore because I think that it is a way of life right now um, that we accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. And um, I do think it's generational. I think that the there is a younger generation right now that is. Mm, less concerned about things and more concerned about doing. But I think often our generations, um, we're coming out of parents who kind of kept because they were worried they might not ever be able to have it again, or they might not have enough. And so they, they started storing, stockpiling and storing. And we're still kind of at the tail end of the back end of that, because we also, um, like to have what we want. We want to know we have enough. We want to buy excess. We want to make sure we have a backup in case that one thing doesn't work. And so I think we just continue to accumulate. And so it really is a mindset, um, I'm sorry, a mindset change, a shift in how we're thinking about things. Um, and, you know, it's something that I like to think a lot about. It's kind of that less is more. Um, that we can live a much different lifestyle if we can embrace that less is more mentality. But it, it is a mindset change. And what I find is many families aren't really ready for that change yet. Um, I probably, after being in the field for several years now, I am finding myself leaning towards that more minimalistic type of approach to what we have inside our home. But we also have 
six children between the two of us. We have two parents living inside our house. You know, we also had homes that we combined. And so it's hard to kind of know what to get rid of and what the right time is and what you might need down the road and, and how to kind of evaluate all those things. And with, with older children, and you're, you're right there too, you know, well, my kids might be able to use this. They might want this. I want to hold this for them. Um, so it, it really is a holistic approach to kind of what's right at the time and thinking through, is it realistic to keep everything I have right now? Is a lot of it that, that I want to keep this in case I'm going to use it later versus sentimental? Like this was my mom's and I want to hang on to it. I mean, do you find that tension as well when you're helping somebody out? I think there is definitely a combination. I do run into clients um, regularly who have very sentimental things inside their home, some more than others. Pictures is, you know, photography, pictures. Um, that's a whole topic in and of itself. It's actually a topic within the organizing industry where there are people that specialize just in that one field because there's so much attached, so much emotion attached to that. And same with things that have been passed down from family members. There's just a lot of emotions attached to that. So much of what I do is, is really listening and getting to know my clients and what they need, what they, what matters to them most, because someone may be fine with throwing away all the cards that they're, spouse gave to them for anniversaries and birthdays and Christmases past. Um, some clients just don't want to part with that. So how can we take that and create an organized system to where we can maybe get rid of some, but keep some as well? So it's it, every person is so unique in how those uh, feelings impact what they're willing to get rid of versus what they want to keep. When you get clients, are they all people who've sought you out willingly or have you, because one of the things when we lived in Maryland, we had a neighbor two doors over who we didn't know at the time, the kids called him Messy Marvin because he had crap everywhere. He would, he would bring trash in. And it wasn't until that TV show came out that I thought, God, Messy Marvin's a hoarder. And it was very evident about every two or three years, the county would give fine him $10,000 and he'd have people come and clean it all up. But knowing that, I started to watch the show. And what I see on the show is they usually have an organizer and they have a shrink that gets in there. And the shrink tries to get into people's heads of why you hold on to this stuff. And the organizer is probably someone like you. And then if you watch the show, of course, the person, and I know it's reality TV, it's dramatized, I'm sure. But, you know, the organizer is sort of saying, well, you know, we have 75 of these pencils. What if we just kept three? And then they make a big fuss. Oh, I really need that and whatever. Do you ever find yourself in that scenario with somebody who's not willing to be organized? Yeah, absolutely. Even people that reach out directly because they're, they feel like they're ready. When you get in and you start really digging into people's things and their personal belongings, it can be really hard for them to part with these things that they've collected sometimes for, for many, many years. Um, once again, I think each, each client is so unique and kind of what matters to them. And, you know, they might be able to get rid of all the extra, um, dishware in their kitchen that they really don't need. But when you step foot into their master bedroom closet, they can't 
part with one item of clothing. So each of us kind of holds on to, uh, you know, unique items and, and what's kind of specific to who we are. And there isn't a rhyme or reason to that always. So, you know, a lot of what I do is that coaching piece that coming alongside of and really helping people, you know, kind of analyze the why, like the why does this really matter to you? And let's evaluate that why so that we can determine what your your goals are. I mean, setting goals in, in all of life is so valuable. In this time of year, we talk a lot about what are the goals for the year. Um, but in organizing, if I don't understand what people's goals are, I really can't push where I need to push. Um, so having those goals in place in, from the very beginning, and that's one of the first things we do is what are our goals? What are we going to try to accomplish? So people come to me for all different reasons. You know, it may be that someone said, hey, listen, you know, you really probably need to try to get this under control. Um, but then it may also be because, you know, I have people that come from a very proactive uh, approach, you know, like, I, I don't think we're out of control yet. But my mom might have been or my grandparent was and I don't want to be like that. So can you give me some guidance some basic tips and basic techniques? so that I can have a better plan moving forward and I don't end up in that situation. So I, I'm currently working with a customer who they're, they're fabulous. Like she came to me with such amazing language about this proactive view of being organized inside her home. And it was such a joy, but I often have people that come after 20 years of being in the same home and they've raised three or four kids and now all that stuff is accumulated and they just need someone to help help them establish what should those goals be and how can I now start to declutter and um, make some changes because I don't want to live like this the rest of my life. And there's such a generational piece here too, because many of us right now are in the middle and we may have already had to clean out our parents' houses, or we know that day is coming when we're going to have to clean out our parents' houses. And what we're hearing a lot of is the language of, I don't want my kids to have to do that. I don't want to put my kids in that situation in 5, 10, 15 years. I want to make sure that I've kind of taken care of that for them and um, not something that they need to worry about. You know, recently I've uh, talked to my mom. And so there was a time when, when my dad was alive, we really wanted him to move out of their big house because he had some health issues and I just couldn't get him to do it. And my mom was fighting it. And she has these gigantic, ugly ass, heavy couches that she had reupholstered in this fruity, ugly, purple, pink. These, these are the ugliest, most uncomfortable things. You, if you sit in there, you need help getting out of it because they sit real low to the ground. And she fought me tooth and nail. We want to bring the big couches. I said, mom, we could get a smaller truck. Now I want my couches. I don't know whether she was fighting me, pushing her to move, because I think that was part of it, but there was something sentimental about those. But just recently we talked and she's really considering making a move here to Tennessee with us. And she's almost saying, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna get rid of everything. I'm gonna come there and just buy a small couch and a table and a desk and a TV. So do you find that people sometimes hit that time in their life where they're just ready to move on? And I'm talking specifically about parents because you brought that up. A parent saying, I don't wanna leave a mess for my kids. Yeah, I, I think that there definitely is a place in life. And for some of us, it's, you know, when we're older, for some of us, it, it may be before that. Um, but I think there does come a place in life where I think you start to feel burdened by the things you have and it doesn't feel good anymore. The the bulk of what you have around you isn't bringing joy to you and isn't helping you. 
Um, it's causing more frustration, um, more work. Um, it's weighing us down. And I think that that becomes the, the, the tipping point. It's when people start to think, you know what, maybe this isn't accumulating, doesn't feel good anymore. Um, you know, the more time we spend cleaning, putting things away, making space inside our homes for the things we have, the less time we have to do the things we want to truly do, which could be time with family, could be a hobby, um, could be just not having to clean as often. Um, so that ability to cut back and reduce often gives us that freedom that we didn't have with with within a home that is loaded with stuff. You've used this term a couple times and you said gives us joy. How do you define what a thing would do to give us joy? Like say for example, I have this little uh, statue. I mean, how would I know if that really gave me joy? Is and I, maybe you can't answer that, but I'm just curious because that seems to be sort of our defining factor of keeping a thing. How would I know that something gives me joy? It really, once again, is a, is a really personal thing because what gives you joy, what you think is important isn't necessarily what's important to me, um, but it's really that thing that you look at and you're like, this is not causing me a hardship in my life. I don't have to constantly think about it. I don't have to constantly um, figure out what to do with it. I don't have to hide it from anybody. Like it is, it's okay for it to be a part of my home, a part of my life. Um, those things that I'm embarrassed of, those things that are causing me more work, um, those things that I don't want people to know about or see are often, you know, the things we hide behind closet doors. And then if we're hiding it, what is its real purpose? You know, does it really serve a purpose at that point if we're shoving it behind a, a door in a closet or in the basement um, and it's kind of stagnant in that place? Like, what is it really doing for us? So a lot of times it's, if it's not doing anything for us, it's probably not something that we really need anyways. I was thinking when we were cleaning out our barn, there were some bins in there that we still had sealed and wrapped in that toilet paper the movers use when they wrap all your stuff and in one box I found my dress blues from my navy career and you know I, I and I knew they were in there and my wife's wedding dress was also in there and that was our second marriage so she didn't have the big old expensive white dress it was a simple dress and you know I thought why am I keeping these dress blues I can't fit into them number one and I didn't even like them when I was active duty I thought they were a horrendously ugly uniform but uh but I threw them out and it felt really good. And she was ready to throw that wedding dress out too until our daughter said, hey, I really want to keep that. So I think she took it to the cleaners. But I think for us, what we thought is if we haven't really used it in five years and now everything in that barn smelled like mildew, it's time to get rid of it. And we've spent uh, a week after Christmas, four days in that barn cleaning it out. But I think we were kind of ready for that. And if we hadn't used it, it was time to get rid of it. And, and it was actually pretty liberating. I mean, my back was killing me, but inside I was feeling like, man, we've made some progress. It was great. So I guess you have to just hit that breaking point, right? Yeah, for sure. And I, my rule of thumb with considering if it's time for it to go is really one year. I mean, it, if you haven't used it, touched it, thought about it for one year, you're probably not going to need it or want it or use it next year. So, you know, there's some rare exceptions, but 
you know, from the point of like the sentimental objects or sentimental items, um, and I think about like a bin, like if I can keep those things in a bin that I can go back and revisit, you know, that, that to me is probably the right amount of space in my mind that I need that one bin. And, and I would say probably that medium sized bin, you know, where I can go in and I can from time to time evaluate what's at the bottom of that bin that now in the last year, maybe I haven't wanted to show my kids or haven't wanted to pass along that I can now pull out of the bottom of that bin and maybe I'm going to add something on top. So it's that it's, we evolve and just as we evolve in what matters to us, you know, that, that bin kind of evolves too. It doesn't have to be that we keep everything that was always sentimental or always mattered. It's that, you know, maybe we keep it for a season and then the next season we're going to put something else on top that matters or we're going to pull something out of the bottom that now I'm ready to get rid of. So yeah, I totally agree. Like what mattered to you five years ago probably doesn't matter as much anymore. Okay. All right. So if we're going to do this, we have two options. Option one is we reach out to you and we pay you to do this for us. And I think that's a great option. And we're going to talk about how to have that option in a little bit. But let's talk about the person that says, I think I can do this on my own. I've now set the goal that I want this to happen. How would you recommend they start? And let's, what is like the typical room that you would start in if you were going to help somebody? How, and then take us through that process if it wasn't you, but it is you, but it's not really you, okay? <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, so it's interesting. I, I kind of laugh because when people contact me initially, it, it's always like pantry, kitchen pantry, um, master bedroom closet, and basement uh, or mudroom. Like those are, and, and garage. Like those are the areas that seem to be the, the collectors of all clutter. Um, and people are always looking like, how can I improve function and flow within those areas? Or how can I just uh, start to get rid of some of this excess that I don't need any longer? And that's where it's accumulated. Um, and then what happens often is when we get in there, they start to recognize that there are so many other areas in their house that now have become a problem because those areas weren't organized well from the get-go. So they've had to utilize all these other tiny little hiding spots to hide things that probably should have been in those original couple areas that I talked about. So when I have a client reach out to me, we always kind of initiate like, what are those three main target areas? We're going to just start with three. We, we try not to focus on more than three areas at a time. Um, it becomes overwhelming. And so uh, we'll kind of define like, what is your primary problem area? What is causing you the greatest source of tension? Um, so if we consider a kitchen pantry, it, kitchens typically, especially for families and families with children, kitchens are high traffic areas. And the way our homes are now built, they are often the, the main high traffic and entertaining areas of our home um, to come around the big table and, and cook together and have that evening time because often it's the only time our families have with each other is maybe that time after work and before you know evening routines begin is that time for dinner. So having a kitchen and a pantry that makes sense um, is so valuable to our families. So I often um, will start in that space because what I find for families is when that, that functions well, it, it just creates a whole new feeling, a whole new energy to then want to have other parts of the home functioning well 
also. Okay. So kitchen first, that'd be our first place to start, right? I often start in the kitchen and it's often an area where people struggle, struggle to set it up properly, struggle to know what to keep, what not to keep. And it's often a place where, especially if you've come together, you know, to um, two previous singles brought everything together, threw them into the kitchen cupboards, or even two people blending a family, you know, an existing families together. Um, you often just have more than you even need. I'm not a kitchen gadget person. I think that we can just fill our cabinets with kitchen gadgets, but there's maybe one or two that we actually use regularly. And so it's a lot of that is thinking through that, you know, a pantry, understanding how a pantry should function, knowing what should be accessible easily. Um, especially with children, like having those things that kids can get for themselves, teaching kids how to be sustainable and, and teaching them how to keep um, a pantry, uh, a food area organized so that they can get to what they need. And it, it really frees us as parents also to be able to say to a child, you know, that bottom row right there are the snacks you're allowed to have after school. You don't have to ask me about anything on this top row because that's not for now. That's for maybe later or next week or on the weekends. That's our special treats. So when they can, when we can create a, a function and flow that works for the whole family, um, it really frees the, the parents and, and us as the ones setting it up to um, allow people to be more independent and in, within the home. Okay. So we set our goal, we've picked the kitchen, We've kind of reorganized the pantry. Let's move on to, let's say, a garage, because that may be an, another place or maybe a basement. <clears throat> we had both in Maryland. Right now, we don't. We have garage now. But the basement of the garage was the place that you put things when companies coming over or family spur of the moment. And then a lot of times those things don't make it back up. So when you're going into, let's just say, a basement. Would it be the same thing? Are we looking for the stuff we're going to use most often and get it close? Or what would your plan of attack be for a basement? Yeah, I, I, for me, the key to all organizing always starts with um, the sorting and grouping. Um, things need to be kept in an orderly way that makes sense. And once again, what makes sense to me may, may not make sense to you. So my job is to help you figure out what makes sense to you. What, what things do you want to group together? So when you need them, you know where to find them. So often the problem in basements is, you know, you've got everything and anything but it's all mixed together and it's in boxes that you can't see. And it's, you know, been maybe, you know, wrapped up in bags and, and put from one side to the other, one corner to the other corner, and you don't know what's what. And so having everything sorted and grouped um, in a way that makes sense to my clients is so important. And once it's sorted and grouped, which I'm a, a firm believer in, in clear plastic bins because we can see what's in them, we still are going to clearly label that bin so that we know how to find it. And if we're putting something down there because the guests are coming, because you know it needs tucked away, we're going to try and put it back where it belongs in a bin that makes sense so that it doesn't, we don't all of a sudden have this heaping mess of things that we have to now deal with down the road. So, uh, you know, one of my, you know, the things I firmly believe in is everything has a home and everything should be put back in its home. And everyone in the house should know where that home is because if we don't all know where that home is for that item, it's just as easy to set it down on the stairs or throw it into the garage or put it in a closet and there it sits. But if everyone knows where the home is for that item, 
it's a lot more likely that people are going to put it back where it belongs. So for me, a basement is one of those collection areas where things need to be labeled clearly. They need to each have, um, you know, kind of their own space. Whatever we're putting there needs to make sense. It needs to belong in that space. If it doesn't belong in that space, we probably shouldn't put it there to begin with. <laughs> okay, so let's let's go through another scenario. Let's say, because I'm thinking about this for my mom. If she agrees she's going to stay in Maryland, um, that will be, a, I hope she's not listening to this, but when she finally passes, it's going to be on me to go to her two-bedroom apartment and try to go through things. And I think there's probably plenty of listeners that are thinking the same thing. So let's say now that we're going into a home or an apartment, because it might be an apartment, that we have to have completely cleared, floor to ceiling, vacuumed up within, let's say, a week. What would your plan of attack be for that? Because we're not organizing, we're, we're moving things out. How would you handle something like that? Because my fear is I'm going to walk into that place and say, oh my God, I can't even, I can't handle this. Because there's the emotion of losing my mom. But also now, what do we do with all this stuff? And it's not just pictures. And I mean, it's like her clothes and underwear and all this other stuff. What would you recommend, Shane, for that? Mm, wow. That um, so I, I I personally was impacted by this type of scenario um, just last year because um, now I didn't lose a parent. Um, both of my parents are still living, but my father um, got ill and they lived in Florida, and all of us were in Pennsylvania and. Um, and they had a full house, a you know, three bedroom house and 1800 square feet. And, um, they needed to move immediately because of health conditions. And so we had to go down in about a month's period of time and, um, navigate moving him, um, back to Pennsylvania and selling a house and getting it ready for the sale and getting out everything they wanted. So it, it is such an emotional time. I think the first thing I would encourage people to do when I talk to them about these topics, sit down and and come up with a plan before you're in that situation. If you can, I, m my parents didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to talk about the what ifs. Um, but from an, as a professional organizer, my job is to think think things through before they become a problem. Like I want to have a I want to have a plan in place before it's a problem. It doesn't always happen that way with clients, but but if I can think it through with a customer, I want to do that. So if if people know that you have elderly parents or aging parents and you can think that through and you can start to begin talking about what are those things that we need to set aside? You know, what are those things that matter? What are those things of value that we can already be clearly defined you know that box right there are those three bins those have value they need to go to this sibling this sibling and this sibling if we can define that up front then the rest is really just labor it really is just getting in there and doing the job there are donation sites you know all types of organizations that accept donations a lot of times when i go into a home as i get to know a customer know a client um, I can start to realize like what matters to them, like what like, maybe um, you know, the Red Cross is, would be a valuable organization. Maybe delivering, um, I had the opportunity this year to deliver uh, unopened um, gifts or unopened toys that were in a client's home to Office of Children and Youth for foster children. You know, every client kind of has that thing that like, kind of matters to them. And if you, if you get to know uh, those clients well, then you can make sure those donations matter 
because that often helps people get rid of things. It helps it make it a lot easier to, to move things out of your home if it's going to a place that matters to you. And so with your mom, understanding like where, what would she like to do with those things ahead of time? Having those conversations up front, really, it's a, it's a, a really good approach to handling that situation before it's an emergency situation. And now you're just stuck figuring it all out. So there it's the planning before it's the organizing before you're, you find yourself in that situation, which I think is so valuable. And when you don't have that luxury and you just got to go and do it, you just make it happen. Um, you know, the pictures I think are important. Um, I, I think when we are, when it's stressful times, we don't always think through what we need to think through. And so giving ourselves that space to think through. So I don't, I don't advocate to go into your mom's house and take everything from her house and bring it to your house and sit on it for six months. But I do advocate maybe taking those box of photos that you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't need any of this stuff. Like it's fine. I, I have my own copies. Maybe holding those types of things, videos, photos, um, a couple of those, um, you know, special objects and items in the house that she might have collected over the years. Put them, put them in a box, put them in a bin and save them for a couple months. Talk to the other family members. Maybe they have a memory about something that they'd like to hold that one item. Um, but the bulk of it, you're going to know it just needs to go. The clothing, the furniture, it just needs to go. It just needs to get, get donated. Um, but often in those moments, and once again, my example last year, as we're trying to make this move for my parents and make it very quickly, and we didn't have a lot of time to pre-plan and think it through. And um, we got to Christmas this year and I put all my decorations up and my parents are now living with us and I put all our decorations up and, and my mom really broke down. She had that breakdown moment because we never thought about going through her Christmas decorations we were thinking practical things like the, and the, all the paperwork and the wills and, and, you know, the medicine and the, the important stuff that seemed important at the time, but not once did I think about the stockings that had been hand knitted by my aunt that had been in the family for, for 40 years that are now they were given away because I didn't think about going through that bin of Christmas decorations. So when you have a chance to think about it up front, you know what that looks like going into it. I think you can make much better decisions than if it happens unexpectedly and you just throw yourself into it and, um, and you realize looking back, you probably made a few mistakes and it's part of life. It is what it is. But um, if you can think it through ahead of time, I think it's always a win. Yeah, I think probably a better solution is have someone like you just do it and I don't even go in there. Like, I'll just pay you to do it. <laughs> I was just going to say, I bring I, that is what I bring to the table when I'm working alongside clients is I am not sentimentally attached to the things that they're attached to. I'm not going to be distracted by the things that distracts them. I am the one that helps keep them on track. My job is not to throw anything away for anyone. My job is not to tell people what to keep or what to get rid of. My job is to help walk them through that process as an outsider, because I have a different perspective than they have when they're looking at pictures or when they're looking at their child's artwork from, you know, kindergarten. I have a different perspective and I can remind them what are our goals? What are the things we're trying to achieve in this process? And that's why I'm able 
to help them accomplish those goals because I don't have the same attachment to the things as they do. What are your suggestions for photo albums? Because I know that that's something the other night when our kids came to visit, my wife brought the photo albums out. And, you know, we were, you know, we're all digital now. I haven't taken, I don't even know if you can get rolls of film anymore, but um, we're digital now. But I still have like probably 15, 20 photo albums full of photos. What would you recommend for that? Because they are totally impractical. Yeah, photos are, you know, just a really tough um, part of, of organizing because it is such a personal thing to people and knowing what to do with it, it feels wrong. It feels wrong to throw out a picture of your child, you know, when they, well, every year, first, second, third, fourth, you know, the whole way up through, every year when you get those pictures, it feels wrong to throw those away. Um, but it also, it, it what are we really going to do with all of that over time? Like, what does that look like? Um, I, I am a big fan of digitizing as much as we can. Um, it, I think, you know, our kids are not going to want our bins of, um, they're not going to want our bins of photos. <laughs> they're just not. Um, they live in a very digitized world and they expect to have things available to them at their fingertip on their phone, on their computer. Um, and so uh, I, I think that the best thing we can do is help relieve ourselves of that type of clutter by digitizing and getting things loaded onto an online platform. There are many online platforms, uh, you know, available. It could be through, you know, uh, the Snapfish type, you know, online um, photo book uh, storage system, or it, there are there are um, companies and programs out there that are specific to this. Uh, these types of projects like they they work directly with people who are looking to digitize photography you know i can take your photography i can scan it through my scanner and i can give you a flash drive back which is a solution um it just depends on the longevity of what you're looking for um, because there are all types of ways that you can um, create meaningful long-term um, photo collections and take those old uh, films and um videos that you know we did those big giant videos and you know turn them into something that's more digitized that can be shared more easily with our children and grandchildren down the road okay so one last question for you when you work with a client and they you, you're done and then they look at their space and say oh this is great how many of them fall off the wagon and like a year later they're buried under a bunch of crap again does it happen well, I, I mean, I offer a maintenance plan, so I think that speaks for itself. Um, I think that, you know, there is two types of disorganization. There is um, there's a situational disorganization um, and there's chronic disorganization. And I deal with clients that suffer from both types of disorganization. Situational disorganization is, you know, hey, I've, I just moved. I, I really am just, I'm busy. I'm getting settled into a new job or I'm getting the kids settled in school. Um, I'm, you know, working full time. I've got a family. I've got, you know, this thing that I do on the side. Um, I just can't get these boxes unpacked and get them put away the way they need to be put away. That's a very situational disorganization experience. It's, I just need you to come in and kind of get me set up from the beginning. And then there's chronic disorganization. 
which are often those people that you think of as kind of those hoarders, those people that don't, you know, don't just keep bringing stuff in, keep bringing stuff in. But chronic disorganization can also just be like, I don't really know how to keep doing the same thing over and over again to get the result I'm looking for. Um, and that result might be, I don't know how to get my laundry put away so that my closet stays organized and stays neat. Um, I go into some people's home and I will organize their master bedroom closet. And then I will come back every two weeks and I'll help them put their clothing away because it's a task they can't stay on top of. And so ideally we, um, when I come in, I can leave them with some plans in place that will help them be, um, Often we feel good when we get everything organized, it feels really good. And you see a whole weight lifted off of people's shoulders when they be, when they, when I'm done working with them, like there is a weight lifted off their shoulders because things feel really good. But so often if they're not intentional about following through with that plan, it becomes very challenging for that to stay that way. So the answer is yes. I often go back into people's homes. Sometimes it's just to help take it back to where we left it at the end. Other times it's because they just can't do it themselves. Um, so my goal is to always build that rapport and that relationship where people feel like they can come back and they can ask for help. Because we all, once again, back to that original statement I made, we all have our own gifts and talents. What you're good at, I'm not. What I'm good at, you might not be. But if we can work together and my customers feel safe and feel like they can come back and reach out to me when they're struggling again, then we can help and, and work through that. But I, I feel that often when people take the time and spend the money and they get a plan in place, they can follow it for an extended period of time. It really does create a new way of thinking and the way they feel when the job is done makes them want to continue to move in that direction. Great. Well, that just leaves us with the big one now, Shane. Let's say that somebody says, okay, I can't do this. And I live in California. Can I still work with Shane Bone? What's the answer to that? The answer is yes. Okay. And so how do we find you? How do we reach out? And uh, do you have some before and after pictures we can look at and those kinds of things? How do we get access to all that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the best place to see kind of what my business is about, who I am, get to know me a little bit, um, take a look at before and afters and, um, you know, kind of take a look at the services I offer is on my website. And that's www.simplestepsconsulting.com. It's steps with an S simplestepsconsulting.com. And then um, kind of where I do my daily marketing and, you know, engage my um, clients and engage my audience is through my Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest pages. And I can be found there at Simple Steps Consulting. Same thing. And um, that is where uh, I try to really stay connected and engaged because um, I want to offer tips. I want to offer suggestions. I want to show the progress that people make. And I love doing it through those forums. Um, and uh, my Pinterest page is filled with ideas. So uh, feel free to check me out there. Excellent. Well, Shane, thank you for taking some time out of your very organized schedule to uh, chat with us today. And if you're listening, I would really encourage you to check out 
Shane's company and see what she does online. Shane, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.